You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Tanya Chernova. She is an award-winning speaker. She's also a number one best-selling author. We're going to talk to her about the work that she does with entrepreneurs, really helping them figure out how to lead, how to, at some level, just kind of get out of their own way, you know, really understanding like what holds us back and, and what can we do to, to rise above that? What can we do to overcome these challenges? Having been an entrepreneur, having worked with lots of entrepreneurs, there are lots of challenges, you know, both internal and external. And one of the biggest things that holds a company back, that holds uh, businesses back is leadership and how they approach things, how they think about things, their strategies, and really their mindset. So I'm excited by this. I'm excited people that do deep work with leaders because there's a lot of need in this space. There's a lot of lead for leadership. So, you know, I'm just, I really enjoy talking with folks that are that are doing this work and helping get that message out there and share their insights and their experiences. So with that, Tanya, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. So let's do background first. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did, professionally, where did you start? How did you get to working with entrepreneurs? What was a little bit of the journey you've been on? Thanks for asking. I mean, it's been a, it's definitely been a wild ride because yeah. I'm a multipreneur myself. I used to call myself a multi-hyphenate, but Ultimately, like every entrepreneur, I take everything I love and turn it into a business. (laughs) So I started off working. Actually, I came from Russia in 1980 with my family. So I'm Russian in origin. You wouldn't know because I've completely erased my (laughs) accent. So now I'm, I'm, I'm a global citizen. Yeah. But my, my mother was a dermatologist from Russia who actually created creams that healed gangrene without amputation. Wow. Yeah. And it's, you know, she was, I mean, back then, obviously in Russia, they didn't have anything other than whatever you innovated. So as a doctor, that was her calling. And then when she came to Canada, she couldn't qualify for her license because she was in her 40s. She had two kids. She was a single mother. And ultimately, she opened up a skincare clinic. And then within my family structure, we had several of them. And you know, we had a, a beauty school called the European School of Aesthetics that my aunt had. And all together, this was you know, my starting point when I was 12 to work in the family business. Anybody who has family members who are entrepreneurs, you know that you're basically working the business on the weekends and things like that. Mm. And, you know, I come from a family of what I call source thinkers. We are the types of people that look at always what is the source of the problem? Where does this come from and why? So when my mother was curing gangrene without amputation, it was what is the source of the gangrene? And actually one of the reasons we came to Canada was thanks to my uncle who had originally gotten a work permit to work with the Health Sciences Center in a part of Canada. 
And he was one of the scientists who published the fetal alcohol syndrome study. So the reason women can't drink alcohol while they're pregnant is, you know, again, because of that same philosophy as a source thinker, where, where is the problem? Why is this happening? And so for me, I grew up as an entrepreneur, like in my blood, basically. I took business in school. I was in psychology, but I was always really passionate, especially working in the skincare salon after high school. I was actually became the youngest government licensed esthetician in my country, like in Canada. So I, it was a combination of breaking through barriers, never mm-hmm. taking no for an answer, yeah. you know, the same things that entrepreneurs have to learn bootstrapping all of your ideas, but I was completely obsessed with understanding why is it that some clients came into the clinic and they had eczema and no matter what we put, things just got worse. And for other, you know, people, it, things worked. Like why? Why is yeah. it working for some people and not others? And we started to realize that, you know, we talked to a lot of people. My mother was a very motivational person and she helped people change their mindset a lot. In fact, they'd always say, I need to, you know, I've got a problem, book me a, a session you know, book me a facial with your mother kind of thing. So it was one of those things where I watched her change people's minds all the time. And then when she'd have these big conversations with people, I'd say, what are you doing? And she'd say, which literally means I am cleaning her brains out. I know know that sounds absolutely horrible in an English translation, (laughs) but for her, it's like brainwashing, right? In in brainwashing in that, you know what, they're thinking something that's creating stress in their life. Oh my gosh, and, And therefore it's creating extenuating problems, whether it's personal or professional, but this has got to end. And people who came with fibroids and, you know, different types of cancer, all kinds of things would come to my mother and literally just with the change of a mindset and then some cabbage on the, on the actual issue itself, lots of miracles happened in that place. So that's, that was my birthing center. Okay. In terms of how I was taught to think and how I was taught to work. And when I graduated school, you know, university, I moved to Toronto, which is like our equivalent of kind of New York. And I became a sales representative. I was super passionate about sales. I was super passionate about taking over the whole wide world. I had tons of ambition. And ultimately, my goal was to go to Europe, which I eventually did at 23. I was an international educator. I traveled 22 countries. I grew a $10 million book of business. And I always did the same kinds of things. It was really helping people change their mindset and, you know, really applying technical skills in order for them to better themselves. And the person I've become today is exactly that same person because I feel like the formula for success in life and business is a combination of mindset, skill set, and systems. If, you know, anytime a business has a problem at all, it's in one of those three areas. Anytime a person has a problem, it's in one of those three areas or a combination of all three. And you can't change anything unless you start with mindset first, which is whenever I get called in to do any kind of training, the first thing we talk about is embracing change. It's like most entrepreneurs, when they look at educating their teams or growing their company, or if, when they're trying to make a change on their own, it's like they want to go from 50 to 100 million. Okay, perfect. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, you have to realize that the beliefs that got you this far are the ones that you're operating with. So in order to get to the 100 million, you need to change some of the mindset in and around what you feel you can tolerate so that all of a sudden you don't get scared by all of the changes that are required and start to self-sabotage. You know, a lot of people it's been proven, you know, scientifically, psychologically, that as soon as you actually start getting some good results, that's when you start to sabotage. And you look at people with their New Year's goals right now, we're kind of in the earlier part of the year. A lot of people start 
And it's not just the hard work that scares them. It's the change that scares them. They start to see results and then they start to cycle backwards. Why is that? Like, is this a, their sort of identity is tied to the previous version? And when the things start to change, it, it kind of messes with that? What's the, why is that? Well, in the, and that's a great question. Okay. So again, as a source thinker, you know, we, we thought about this and ultimately the book that I co-wrote with my partner, Joanna Andros in my business, uh-huh. um, Courageous Living, which is an empowerment business. So we realized that at all the negative inner chatter that happens, like, the negative inner conversations that you have, like, I can't do it, I can't handle it, this is too much. Like, whatever you're saying to yourself kind of under your breath, there's seven subconscious beliefs that sabotage our life. And, you know, it starts off with, I'm not enough, right? Smart enough, skinny enough, whatever, like rich enough, I'm not not enough in some way. I'm not worthy, I'm not safe, which is a huge one for entrepreneurs. Honestly, a lot of people who are entrepreneurs actually have an inordinate amount of, like, childhood trauma. And it's at that point that they decide I'm on my own. I've got to take care of myself. And then they do that. That's exactly what they do. They don't want to be, they don't feel safe Mm -hmm. under other circumstances. And you'll know that on your show, you have a lot of people who might struggle with hiring the right people, relying Mm -hmm. on people, giving trust to people. You know, I can't trust is another really big one in the seven subconscious beliefs because it's often because you can't trust that you need to make your own way. But then when you need to hire right and grow, that I can't trust is what's actually running the show for you. And mm. it's creating your lack of onboarding strategies. And, you know, it's in the interview process. And it's when you hire them, then you don't give them all the reins that they need. Or you micromanage them. Or you criticize them. Or you, you know what I mean? People, lots of times when I come in, they, they lack the culture that leads to growth because they're built on, I can't trust, I'm not safe, or I'm not enough, so no one's enough. Nothing's yeah. enough. It just seems like it's such a common pattern that you know, the thing that has fueled them and has served them so well in terms of becoming an entrepreneur, getting a business started, right? They're very self-sufficient. They, you know, they motivate themselves. They don't need the external forces, but then it turns around and bites them in the ass because now they need people and they need to trust and they need to work as a team. But now this this approach, this this underlying thinking, this underlying belief that they have is now, now working against them at the next stage. It just, it seems like that happens so many ways and so many times. It does. That's why the self-development is such an important key. And a lot of the times the entrepreneurs tend to externalize the blame, right? They think it's their environment, the circumstances, the the hiring pool. You know, as leaders, our company is an expression of who we are as people. And if you want your company to grow, you have to grow as a leader. And that's easy, or I do some inner work, but it's really the practice of looking at the results in your life. Like the second chapter in our book is your results reveal what's undermined. And that's the title of the book, Undermined, because it's the unconscious mind, as well as how, you know, some of the programs in there can undermine you. And it's very simple. It's like, you know what? They'll say, I don't have a problem trusting people, yet the hiring is the issue, or you're doing everything yourself, or you're always complaining that the people that you've got can't toe the line, right? It's like, look, I know you want to say that that's not your issue, but it's like, what am I supposed to say? You know, 
so I, I'm really good, for example, having my skincare background at knowing what is skin cancer. Like I can see skin cancer on a person a mile away just because I've been trained so well, right? I know what eczema is. I know what psoriasis is. I know so much about wellness. I've been in wellness over 20 years. When I was 27, I built my own skincare company and a non-surgical facelift. I took it on the shopping channel with my mother also at the time because I was only 27. So who's going to buy (laughs) non-surgical facelifts from a 20 year old, you know, but realistically, I still look pretty damn good, you know, considering almost the same, right? But you know, 20 years later, but the point is I grew that company to a million dollars. And I grew that company to a million dollars and I almost immediately dismantled it the year after. (laughs) And the reason, you know, the reason I'm so confident in what I'm saying, Bruce, is because I've literally lived that entire journey and I've watched myself create and screw up and create and screw Uh up all my own pieces, right? Whether it's personal or business. And I've had to do some very serious work on myself to get to where I am today in a business that's sustainable and thriving, that it literally fits me like a glove. Like I've had to come to terms with what I'm willing to do, what I'm unwilling to do. You know, know thyself to thine own self be true. Nothing could be more relevant, especially as it is today, because COVID's, you know, made everyone make such significant changes. This is the time. This is the time to reinvent so that it's sustainable and scalable, but as it pertains to you and your true desires, right? And it's the same thing for my relationships. Like I can tell you the patterns of my relationships and thank God the man that I married who's like the best man for me, not the greatest catch, but the best man for me. That's what I wish for everyone to have is to do this work so that they'll have the life that they love and want. Yeah. And so what does doing the work look like for you? I mean, how, how do you engage? What, what is this, you know, what is, what is the work? What does it entail? I mean, are these conversations? Is this, what does the process look like? So that's a good question. So there's the there's the group process, there's the business process, and then there's the personal process. Okay. So the business process looks like, for example, I work with um, I work with an entrepreneur. The very first thing we do is we look at what their vision is. And a lot of the times, most entrepreneurs feel like, okay, I I'm doing this, but I know I have potential. Like they they feel and sense that potential is there, or they're in a place where they're sick of their business and they're desperate to make a leap, but they all of a sudden want to making a leap into a direction that they've never gone before and yet they want to never sacrifice any income. So it's kind of like it depends on where you're at in terms of how fed up you are with your business, I guess, and how in love you mm-hmm. still are with it. But ultimately, the first place we start with is vision. So where are you today? Where do you want to be? And let's now look at bridging the gap. And we look at bridging the gap where I do an actual assessment. We do subconscious belief survey and there's an assessment of 42 beliefs that you score yourself on in the area of money, leadership, you know, trust. And they reveal which of the seven subconscious beliefs are the biggest, you know, crutches for you, like where you have the biggest problems. Mm-hmm. And then I work with the leadership on a coaching basis, but also I work with the teams because because the leader has been a certain way, the teams have been shaped. Like think about it like a parent sure. has certain beliefs, then the kids are not far behind, right? And there's a culture <laughs> that happens. So I have to do the embracing change. Then we start training and re uh, reinventing and re-identifying starting from the beginning, like what is the purpose, the mission, the vision, and getting everybody indoctrinated so that they know exactly what the why is behind what they're what they're selling, what they're doing. And then with the measurable things in place, we also start to deconstruct their negative limiting beliefs and how they collaborate with each other. That's the business part of it. Yeah. And so then the personal part of it. The personal, yeah, exactly. So the personal part of it is a process that Joanna and I, you know, essentially 
she developed this therapy called progressive neural resolution therapy. And I helped her put everything into, you know, the proper content. And we actually had this therapy accredited by the Psychotherapy Association of Canada as a therapy school so that therapists that are today, you know, working for 10 years with their clients can now come in and learn PNRT and do it for 10 sessions. Like it's really amazing, but it's the type of therapy that goes in and rewires the mind. So for example, if you can't trust, we, you know, one of the PNRT therapists will go through the session with you and use your conscious mind to go in and rewire your subconscious mind from that experience so that you can start to heal as an individual. You're not just constantly trying to consciously, you know, manipulate your actions. You're actually healing as well as coming back and doing strategic implementation. And she and I work together all the time that way. Yeah. And what, what does that really look like or how, I don't know if you have like a, an example or something that like of what, what comes up in, in that process, how you go about healing it, how does it change the, then the way you show up later? Like what, what does this work look like? Okay. So, I mean, oh God, honestly, hundreds and hundreds of examples. Okay. Like seriously, no, no problem. Because you know what? And and that's the thing. Like our passion is just helping people. All we want to do is see the world, you know, work better because I'm a, I'm an intuitive empath. Okay. And I don't know if Uh you really know what that means, but it's just like, I, when people share their personal stories, I feel it. You know, when somebody gets a needle, I feel the needle. Like it's, it's a terrible place for me to be. That's why I don't do the therapy myself. I'm too sensitive. However, I can read their energy. I can give you, it's almost like a psychic almost, but it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it has nothing to do with psychicness. It's literally just intuition and intuitiveness. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also because I'm a source thinker, just like a person can say, oh, that's skin cancer or, oh, that's a heart attack. There's, you know, there's a whole entire like category of what it looks like when something has a certain level of symptoms. I can, I can, I can completely identify what that is because there's patterns of behavior. Patterns of human behavior are 100% global. I've traveled half the world, you know, teaching this whole thing. And a person in India, Nepal, like Asia, you know, Canada, doesn't really matter. America, wherever you are, you're still struggling with the same, I don't think I'm enough. I don't think I'm this. I don't think I'm that. So anyway, the point is that she and I work a lot together with when it comes to entrepreneurship, for example, or even leadership. So for example, there's a person in a business, they desperately want to grow their business. Okay. And so I come in as a coach, we start working together and I, and I want them to start, let's say, leading their team differently. I'm going to try to get a specific example. So I'm not hypothetical. Sure. So, okay, perfect. So there's a, there's a, an entrepreneur who's running, let's say, a 17, let's say $17 million company. Okay. So just at the brink where you're kind of in the middle of the road and they've, of course, worked like their ass off to do it. They're there. It's, yeah. it's a highly want, it's a highly desired product in the market, all that stuff. Okay. So then what they have to do is they have to start hiring more salespeople and expanding the sales teams so that they can get to the next level of the vision, which means that you've got to cover more territory. You can, I mean, the guy basically built the company himself. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So now, though, the problem is I don't trust, okay? And the comes in. And it's not like I can see it necessarily straight away, but what happens is that we're having problems hiring. We're having, or when we hire the right person, I send them an A player because I work with recruiters myself too. And all of a sudden, it's like this guy says to me, the person that's in the company, you know what, I'm not... 
it's like I've got handcuffs or something. They're not letting me do this. They're not letting me do that. They want me to follow their exact method. I don't understand. Like I can't do what they're asking me to do. So I'm failing as an employee, even though I was a rock star in my last previous position. And this pattern continues, you know, here, there, another, you know, person and basically, or they won't give them the budget or they won't give them, they won't give them this person's like holding on, like their whole life depends on it. And yet there's room for that growth. So I send them to Joanna and it turns out that, you know, in their childhood, they're working with mom and dad, dad's an alcoholic, you know, dad's, and this is a terrible thing to say out loud, but you know, like dad's beating him within an inch of his life. You know, he feels like nothing's within his control. Everything had to be controlled. He was this OCD over the top, you know, kid, everything. So then as an owner, he's this over the top, you know, person that every single thing is measured and everything has to be reported and everything. But that's what he built a $17 million company himself. But how do you move on? Like you've got to move on. You've got to be able to trust people without killing them in your own organization with your own fears. And then, you know, he does the work. He, even one session is a life-changing session. And then we come back and we implement all of these new strategies. And the thing is, you can't do what you can't do, right? And your beliefs dictate your behavior. So ultimately, I want you to do something differently. Either you do it enough times that it neuronally reprograms your mind, right? Like exercise, getting up at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. or whatever, you finally get a new routine, you're fine. But when it comes to trusting people, it's a bit more complex because as soon as you're out of your comfort zone, your fear gets triggered and the zone, your fear gets triggered. And the part of you, that's the thing Mm -hmm. with trauma, is that it develops a part of us. And in the book, we talk about a seven-stage process called your blueprint for self-sabotage. And you have this defining moment that happens in your life, which creates a belief system about yourself, others, and the world. And it creates literally like a neuronal part of you that gets triggered. So you're fine until you get triggered, and then that part runs your life. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like we, you know, we have we have different uh, entities within us that kind of take over given different situations and stuff. And when when someone else takes the wheel in our minds, it it, it leads to very different kind of choices and thinking. So yeah, trying to figure out how to keep that uh, keep the right person driving at the right time. How and and how. How do you keep these changes in place? I mean, I, I see a lot of things, you know, people can change for a period of time, you know, when they're really focused on it and concentrating on it, you know, but then the moment they lose that energy and that willpower and the, and the situation gets more intense, you know, reverting back to old behaviors, how does this, how do you make this stuff stick? Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was saying is that because again, it goes back to that source thinking, right? It's like you don't, unlike, unlike so much of what we hear, you know, with all these wonderful, amazing motivational speakers that are like, okay, meditate, visualize, you know, count this, affirmations, which we believe in all of those things 100%, okay? Mm -hmm. But when you do the, when you do the PNRT and when you, when you implement the new strategies and when you're also able to see a vision for yourself, like I did a session yesterday, I was telling you about breaking through your blind spots. When you get to the other side of that negative belief and you all of a sudden see something you've never seen before, that's when you realize, wow, like look at the life I haven't been living. So the progressive neural resolution therapy actually rewires your mind permanently. So that particular part, that eight-year-old, that six-year-old, you know, that was trapped in that bedroom or wherever the trauma took place, et cetera, Mm -hmm. that part is healed. So what ends up happening is that you actually become one level calmer, one level more like like healed. Like just if you Mm -hmm. broke your leg and you're fine, then you just walk on it. You learn to walk again, you're fine, right? 
But then there's layers of it. So for example, you might have the belief at eight years old that it was this, but then again, at 16, another defining moment happens for you. And you remember that like you were in a car accident and somebody who was driving was the person who was drunk driving. Now you're again, a control person, right? And control is not just the only thing. I mean, not good enough. Oh my God. That's so pervasive in our culture because we have compare-itis and- (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute. Compare-itis. Yeah, Uh, compare-itis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because of the anyway, I, I make everything biological, right? I love it. No, I love it. So yeah, comparitis is is what and I suffered through that my whole life. Oh, and yeah. that, you know, you look at somebody else, you think, God, I should be there, I should be there. And ultimately, you know, it's a combination of awareness. And I'll tell you why I have the comparitis, because when I was growing up, as much as my mother was, of course, amazing, she kicked my brother and I butt like every single day, obviously. And because we were seven years apart, she never compared us to each other, but she'd always compare me. And it was a very common thing in Russia to do this other girl, right? So the other girl, the other girl would have made her bed better. You know, she would have the, the, the complete 100% on her test. She would be very respectful to her mother, you know. this. So I grew up with the other girl from probably the age of eight to like 13. My mother was like the other girl would have and i had like i had like nightmares of killing this other girl like i just <laughs> i didn't know who she was or where she was but this where girl was live? like killing my mojo man this girl yeah. was like absolutely my number one competitor and the problem with that is is that unlike a cousin that you can beat at chess every once in a while this yeah. was an undefeatable situation so everywhere i went bruce everywhere I went, I always felt like there was somebody better. And I mean, I have so many awards. I'm always the number one, number one person in almost everything. Number one sales, number one this, you know, whatever, like beat her budget by 300%. And that's not just because I'm so awesome. Fine, whatever. I have, again, mindset, skill set, systems. But the point is, is that I was living undermined. I was living with not enough as such an absolute life sentence. We call it a life sentence because- You say, what is the sentence that you're constantly saying? You know, I can do better. That was my life Uh, sentence. You get it? And I I literally lived in that. And even when I got the award, I'd think to myself, it's because the other girl wasn't here. But if they had another girl working, she would have done better. And any guy I dated, you can even ask my husband today, when I first started dating him, you know, I always try to set them up with my friends, my best friends. I'd be like, oh, you know, this guy's really good for you. I know he really likes me, but I think he'd be better for you. They're like, Tanya, you're like insane, you know? <laughs> and, and in, but that's the way I lived. I lived like somebody else is better. And I just happened to be here kind of like in the interim. Imagine never being able to really celebrate your success or knowing your full worth because you yeah. keep thinking and talk about people who are pervasively living the imposter syndrome. That oh, yeah. is 100% tied into I'm not enough. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing this work was a combination of consciously understanding that, hey, I'm doing that thing to myself again because of where I came from and what affected me. And most people don't even remember what affected them exactly. Mm-hmm. And the actual deeper level work to rewire your your mind and do the deeper healing to save those little little parts of you that are still suffering inside. Because when we have a trauma, just like if you broke your leg, you know, I have a broken arm that I've broken three times because I'm clearly stubborn, you know, in the same spot. And one (laughs) arm bends perfectly. The other one doesn't bend completely to the end. And it looks obviously very different. You know, it's like a skip in your record. And you basically are stunted. Your growth is stunted Mm -hmm. at the age of your trauma. And you basically don't mature from there. And Uh until you do this work, you're kind of operating as a 15-year-old. And, 
eventually you just need to kind of go into this adult moment and embrace yourself at the age you are before your life passes and you don't get a chance to really enjoy it. And that's why our measure, and this is the last thing I'm going to say, is that our measure in the book is not about check marks. Like, you know, discover the seven subconscious beliefs that sabotage your life and how to overcome them is not so that you'll be a better X. It's so that you can increase your JPM, which is your joy per minute. I like that. I like that. What are some of the other beliefs? What are the think patterns that you see that come up with folks, you know, typically as you're working with particularly the entrepreneur crowd? Yeah, like I'm not safe is a huge one. I'm not safe to succeed. I'm not safe. If I get if all of a sudden I get too big and I'm flying above the radar and I'm and I'm the center stage and my company's the number one, then everyone's gonna come after me or the IRS or the you know what I mean? Like they get really nervous. Yeah, they they become a target. And that's often because when you were it's not safe to be seen. It's not safe to be successful because if I'm successful, then my family's going to judge me, you know, like, and that kind of thing. Another really big one is for people. And this is why oftentimes you have so many great entrepreneurs that kind of love their business and ignore their family is because their belief is that, you know, they only like me for the money and for the things I give them. And they don't really love me for who I am because deep down I'm unlovable. So I'm unlovable and I'm on my own. So therefore I have to build my own company and run my own show. But then when they have their, when they have their family, they're unlovable still in their own mind and therefore they're not available. So they're always on their phone or they're always in meetings. And, you know, the only way that they feel like they can be lovable is through performance. Yeah. For, do, for doing something for, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just reflecting on people I know and situations I've been in, and I, I totally see that. Yeah. Uh, and a big a, one for women, for example, and and I mean men too. It doesn't really gender is not really like an issue in this particular thing. But again, mm-hmm. one of the beliefs that we have on our survey is when everything's taken care of, then I can take care of myself. You know, and they feel like until everything's taken care of, their health and their well-being must wait. And that is, oh my gosh, like you know that that's where they have such health crises. I mean, how many entrepreneurs work themselves literally to, to death, you know? And, and that's the thing. It's like, they're not, you know, they have the time to do all these other you know, business meetings, but they don't have time to do 15 minutes of exercise or drink a glass of water, eat lunch at the right time, you know? But, and that's because they were withholding. I remember it was about 12, 13 years ago where I, it just, I had this a bit of epiphany and I was like, I, I I don't, (laughs) I don't need to get my work done so I can work out. I need to work out so I can get my work done. Right. And it was, it, it just, it was a game changer. Right. And, um, and it really was that underlying belief, that kind of thinking pattern that until I changed that, it, it was always a struggle. And then, and once I did that, it was, you know, my life was completely different. Congratulations. And so what led you to that? What made you have the paradigm shift? Um, you know, so I think I, part of it was looking back and reflecting on it. Some of it was just experimenting. Like just, I noticed that when I worked out early in the morning, I just, I got so much more done and it just took a while of kind of journaling and reflecting on and, and playing with some of that. Uh, and then realizing that was one of my core morning routines that was going to set myself up for a good day and just realizing that was the system I need to put in place. See systems. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, it makes it so much simpler when you can categorize things. Okay, mindset, skill set, system. And then at the same time, like you didn't have 
you know, potentially that belief where, no, like I, I am the last to be served, yeah. you know, you just were like, Hey, you know what? I noticed this. This is great. I'm going to completely implement this. See, so yeah. what's effortless for you is effortful for some and what's oh, yeah. effortless for others is effortful for, for you. Like that's just the way it works. And that's why it is effortful for, for you. Like that's just the way it yeah. works. And that's why yeah, everyone's kind of got. Tanya, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more uh, about you and the work that you do, what's the best place to get that information? So they can go to tanyachernova.com. And, you know, or email me, ask, like ask a question at tanyachernova.com and they'll, they'll get an answer. You know, I'm here to help people. And that's what I was saying to you before. And that's why I love your podcast, Bruce, because you're in it for the real reasons. You know, I listen to a lot of what you do. You, you've helped so many people with these enlightening conversations. And I think it's just so important because life-changing conversations can happen in a minute. And if we can even just help one person understand why they're struggling and what they can do about it, it just makes it generationally better because realistically, the beliefs and the unhealed wounds that you have as yeah. a person, as a parent, your children end up inheriting all of those limitations. And then as a parent, you have to suffer watching your kid make the mistakes that you've made or be the complete opposite of you and reject you because they realize (laughs) I'm exactly not going to ever do what you do. Exactly. And then you've got to be like that. You've got to live with that. So ultimately, and then, and so on and so on and so on. So our goal with this work is not just in today, but it's to end the generations of, of, of pain that people can potentially suffer. Yeah, powerful, powerful. I'll make sure the links are in the show notes and people can click through and get that. And I would encourage everyone to go go check it out because it really is, it's difficult work, but it's powerful work and it can really change so many things about your life, not just your business, but really everything. So highly encourage people to do it. Tanya, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.